Welcome back to another episode of Miami Nice. I'm Katie Walsh. I'm here with my good friend, Blake Howard. Katie! Hello! Hello! Um, And we've got a real great episode for you. We are talking to (laughs) Beatrice (laughs) Louisa, who's an amazing writer. And, And this summer, I saw a piece on The Cut that said, I think about this a lot, the salsa dancing scene from Miami Vice. And I was like, you know what? I think about that a lot too. And it was just the perfect sort of ethos for Miami Nice because it's this microscopic inspection of a, of a very specific element that like allows us to get into like the film um, in a larger sense. And um, it's such a great piece. You have to read it. We will link to it. Um, and Beatrice is just a really cool writer. She's writing for a lot of different places right now. Um, Blake, do you have the credits? <laughs> Oh no! Yeah, Be- Beatrice is at the AV Club Guardian Film Comment. You guys, if you uh, fans of One Hit Minute Productions, you would have heard Beatrice on all the President's Minutes. She's really terrific, Washington-based writer. And uh, you know, so when Katie and I, both of us, found this article, like Google alerts were going hard, and and it's it's the kind of article that immediately got shared between the both of us. Going as we expand this show into like the essential people who have the best takes on Miami yeah. Vice for Miami Nice. Beatrice's name went immediately to the top of that list of like, this is a person who has a very specific take and gets that specific weird elemental love of like Miami Vice together. So what what I'm going to do really quickly is just read one of my favorite parts from, I think it's like one of the paragraphs in her piece. Um, uh, and it's just about her experience of what she also calls the hornier elements of this movie. So here we go. Like most of man's movies, it has a powerful romantic pulse beneath its meatheadedness. The synchronized brotherly intimacy of Sonny and Rico's relationship is Exhibit A. Exhibit B is a lot hornier. I knew before watching the film that Farrell and Chinese actress Gong Li played a couple, but knowing the shallow storylines given to most interracial Hollywood pairings, my expectations were low. Suffice to say, I was stunned and elated by their simmering hot-blooded connection which registers from the moment they first lock eyes that is all you need to know about our guest that is all you need to know about our chat um suffice to say uh exhibit c will be how horny and strange and weird our conversation gets uh, about all of these elements but um yeah katie and i had a blast talking to beatrice and we hope you guys have fun listening to it as well enjoy yeah Thank you, thank you, thank you. Far too kind. Well, we have a great guest today here on Miami Nice. It is Beatrice Loiza, who is an amazing film writer. And um, this summer, I came across one of my favorite columns on The Cut, which is a great uh, site um, through New York Magazine. And it's, I think about this a lot. And I'm actually dying to write one of these, but (laughs) yours was so in line with everything that we do here at Miami Nice. Oh my um, God. It was, I think about this a lot, Colin Farrell salsa dancing in <laughs> Miami Vice. And I was like, oh my God, we have to have her on the podcast. <laughs> uh, and and people who, who've listened to any One Hit Minute Productions have already heard Beatrice. Uh, on all the president's minutes and my Google, like my phone was a Google alert for your article the day that it came out, because not only do I actually have Google alerts for Miami Vice while we're doing the show, just in case cool pieces come up that we can talk about, but my Twitter and text messages and DMS went so hot. Like, (laughs) Oh my God, have you seen this piece about Colin Farrell salsa dancing? And I was like, yeah, only from you and 80 other people. Um, <laughs> let me read it. I'm so excited. Yes, we're both so super stoked to have you on Miami, um, Miami Nice Beatrice. Yes, I'm very flattered that um, <laughs> that was the trigger to having me on the show. But admittedly, when I saw that you guys were, were doing this post- podcast strictly about Miami Vice, I was like, hmm, like sheepishly, like, mm, I could be a guest. <laughs> <laughs> so when was the first time you saw the film? Was it in theaters or? Yeah, it's crazy because I'm pretty sure I saw the film like, you know, when it came out, I was still in high school, actually. Um, I'm pretty sure I had it on the TV with my dad who likes action movies. And I really never thought twice about it or it being good or it, you know, I, it wasn't particularly meaningful to me back then, but you know, over the past couple of years, I've 
awakened to the fact that Michael Mann is actually this incredible auteur. Um, so I'd seen a bunch of his films, but I'd never really revisited Miami Vice. Um, and so a little, maybe like two years ago, um, I was actually in my apartment by myself. My boyfriend was out of town. <laughs> I like took an edible and was like, I'm going to put on Miami Vice. And it was like, these are the perfect conditions to view Miami. <laughs> exactly. Yes. And it was an overwhelming experience. I was like, oh my God, is this is just my favorite Michael Mann movie. And it was like, as it kept going on, it was like, just got sexier and sexier. Yeah. And anyways, my first viewing was overwhelming and I watched it the very next day. Cause I think I had rented it on like Amazon or something. And anyways, um, since then, I've watched it like half a dozen times, wrote this piece, and it's one of the greats. I See, absolutely love oh like first viewing experiences when you're stoned. Like the first time I saw 2001 A Space Odyssey, I had taken an edible oh and I was God. like, it's, it's, it will change your experience of that movie forever because it's like physical. It's like a physical experience that you have with it. I don't know. That was the experience That's I had. That's exactly the experience I had. I mean, just like the opening scene with um, oh god, what's the Lincoln Park Jay Z song? It's uh, Num Encore. Num Encore. <laughs> Num Encore. <laughs> it was like as soon as that came on, I was like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> we celebrate that opening in every I, episode. <laughs> I also love how Beatrice pointed out, which is really, really great, that it does actually get sexier as the movie goes on. And one scene, and I know this might sound really out there, so just play, and I know this is the show for it, but it's like when Colin Farrell chokes that guy from behind in the trailer park, that is actually kind of hot. Like, I'm, okay, I know I'm the straight guy on the Kinsey scale. I don't know where I am, but you know, I just, I know that in that scene, I'm like, he's so muscular, his hair's tied back, it's men squeezing each other, there's something a bit erotic. I mean, even as a jiu-jitsu player, I'm sometimes like, oh, this is a bit sexy. But that is just, the movie does get sexier as it goes on and uh, much more longing and things like that too. But yeah, this is a damn sexy movie. Yeah, it, just, it also feels like just like the humidity and the hurricane and everything just like building to this climax in a way. Yeah. Yeah. The other big thing I want to talk to you about, Beatrice and, and Katie, is I've been thinking about this so much in just the specific context of dancing, is Colin Farrell talks about this movie like a blur. You know, he was still, he was still drinking a lot. And, you know, he, you know they talk about the, the term high-functioning alcoholic, like gets bandied <laughs> about so much. But I've never actually seen a better example of a high-functioning alcoholic than a guy who can learn to use guns to have an accent and act and perform and learn how to dance and salsa dance. And specifically when I was watching the scenes of salsa dancing, I'm like, this guy says he can't remember dramatic choices he made as a performer, but he can <laughs> dance. Like he's dancing in this movie and it's so great and so sexy and so perfect. And I'm like, like that actually is the literal term. High functioning alcoholics should have a picture of Colin Farrell salsa dancing because like if you can high functioning drink and, and, and act and dance and do all these things, it's like, oh my God, this is incredible. It's, it's actually... You can tell how the depths of his problem was. His muscles knew how to dance, but he couldn't remember what was going on. It's absolutely strange. You know, it was, it was probably muscle memory. Um, I think, you know, in researching the piece, Colin Farrell and Gong Lee had gone through kind of months of yeah. rehearsal for, you know, a dance scene that, you know, in my heart feels like forever, but is actually quite short. Um, <laughs> but I had read this interview with Gong Lee, who was, you know, very like she didn't think she would ever be able to salsa dance but i mean she pulls it off pretty well um but with colin I, I there he does have some background in dancing um i think as a teenager he went around as like a he, it was part of this line dancing troupe in oh. Ireland. Yeah, you mentioned that in the piece and i instantly just wanted to like google that and like, yeah, the pictures you were talking about <laughs> Exactly. Yes. Um, so he's very cute in that. I mean, it's a completely different type of dancing, but you know, he has some sort of background. 
Um, yeah, so he knows how to move his body. And it is interesting watching the, the, the video clip that you linked to in your piece of them rehearsing. And you can see how intense it is. But the other thing I loved is that Michael Mann is right up in that rehearsal. And he's like, <laughs> um, maybe you should do a turn like this and like come back together. Like he is commenting on the choreography as a cinematic choice and obviously he's going to do that you know he's going to be there okay they need to be facing each other at this point and the camera will be here but you can kind of see the choreographers being like okay and like even colin (laughs) at one point is like dude shut up like get out of here um jokingly of course um but yeah you can it's very intense training that you can see that they're going through so yeah almost like that muscle memory type of thing that just going on instinct it's they had a weird, awesome relationship. Those three: Gong Lee, Michael Mann, and Colin Farrell. Like they went to Cuba illegally together. Like the man got smuggled in, but obviously Gong Lee doesn't have to worry about a passport, not as Colin Farrell because he's Irish and Chinese. So they're they're fine to do that. But they went to Cuba, and there's actually in the Michael Mann, the Tashen book, um, uh, the Michael Mann sort of big book about his entire filmography. That it shows some of the sort of test photography that they did. Like they went to Cuba together, and Michael Mann took like test photography of them in locations that they then used to model her apartment that they they did in Haiti, is standing in for Cuba and things like that. So. Um, it's um it's also that weird thing of like Michael Mann kind of being in their grill and going, okay, can you guys stand over there in the corner and act in love while I take a photo so I can take it back to my art department? <laughs> We're going to have to recreate this, re- recreate this thing. And so it's a funny little thing that like right there in the middle of this like cinematic, like, you know, this hugely fiery affair that happens. There's just Michael Mann in the corner going, okay, just if you could just do this with your arm and yeah, just move this here and yep, like just dance this way. It's like, it's it's sort of creepy, but awesome at the same time that like he's the architect of this like really windswept and awesome thing that we can just sort of wistfully fantasize about. It's so great. Yeah, I mean, they're like a fun thruple on vacation. <laughs> like, I <laughs> want to see. <laughs> I want to see that that behind the scenes documentary of them. It's like um, oh. one of the trip movies. Like I want you to. I want them. you to make it. I want you to make it. <laughs> yeah, the trio is, yes. is quite interesting. Um, I think I. I mean, I don't know to what extent this is true, but like at the time, Colin Farrell was known for getting involved with the, his female co-stars, and so there's like little. Mm you know, tabloid images of like him flirting with Gong Li um, at the club in between shoots. And like, even in that video, the rehearsal video um, for, or, what was it? It's like a special feature on like yeah, Miami Vice, which shows I'm rehearsing. Yeah. Like they're kind of like touchy with each other. So there's also this fantasy in my mind of like, oh, they were, the salsa dancing was actually showing us their real life chemistry and like sort of romance at the time, which, you know, makes it all even more titillating. There's I some w- heat between them for oh, sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I, it's, it's, I think we can just dissuade any myths. All film critics really want that, like really want and crave actual chemistry in relationships and also love the tea. Like we just want to know what was really going on on that set. Like um, I, I call, I call uh, our, our, our friend, friend of one eight minute productions, Garth Franklin, who's like a great movie newsman for dark horizon. has been around in the game for like 21 years. You know, I, there's nothing more that I love, like going and seeing like a, a repertory screening with him of a movie and like seeing a couple like passion. And then like Garth leans over and taps me on the shoulders. Like, Oh, that was, that was, that was real chemistry. <laughs> that you know, was real. I've, I've, heard some, I've, heard, I've heard some stories about some stories about that one. We'll wait till this movie's over and, you know, the, the, the post-movie drink, you're going to hear some tea spilled. I'm like, <laughs> we all love that. Like, we all secretly do or very openly do love that. So it would be good if that was the case. I don't imagine that's... <laughs> I, I love to think about it with Colin um, and Gong Lee, but I don't think it's... It doesn't feel like that would be even close to the same with Jamie Foxx. Um, and Naomi Harris. It doesn't feel like they've got the same fire. Even though they're great, it just doesn't feel yeah. like Jamie Foxx doesn't feel like he's into her as much. Yeah, well, I mean, I, oh, go ahead. Um, I was just going to say, um, I feel like their relationship, I mean, there's obvious, they obviously have a pretty great sex scene, in my opinion, but I feel like they're kind of past the initial fire of yeah. it. Like it's kind yes. of more emotional. They're, I mean, I don't know if they're married, but. They're, they're together in a more permanent way. Yes. Yeah. 
Yeah, we talk a lot about their relationship being like the comfortable one. They live mm. in the same city. And then there's the Gong Li uh, Colin one, which is just, you know, fiery, impulsive, totally dangerous. Um, so it's like the they're sort of foils of each other. And, and I think it is so important to have those two relationships. It's like, we don't just need the two different guys and characters there. We need their relationships with their... Um, not necessarily significant other, but even for Jamie and Naomi Harris it is, but um, I think both are necessary for this film to work in the way that it does. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's nice to have the heat and then also to have the comfort um, yeah. in, in both of those. But I also like, what's cool is that great scene where they, I think they're in the, they, at, the, at that moment they're in their new safe house and they, it feels like their place. Like it feels like home, like they're mm-hmm. there. They're, you know, having this great love scene, this great shower scene. It's all awesome. But the whole time I kept thinking, and I've been thinking about it, you know, as we're just talking is we never really see a space that feels like it's Sonny's. Like he never, like, and in the show, like if you go way back, even to the pilot, like Don Johnson lives on a yacht with Crocodile. Like it's so bizarre. And I just imagine that even our Sonny Crocodile that's in this Miami Vice universe, I don't even want to imagine what his apartment is. Cause I imagine it's just like, it's just a disgust. Like it's just maybe a wardrobe and nothing else. Like there's no furniture. He doesn't need clothes there. It's just a shower, a wardrobe, a bed, and then that's it. Like, cause he's not, he doesn't seem like a guy who's making any permanent plans or making any decisions that have any consequences of like, I care about what's going to happen to my possessions at the end of this score, at the end of this, you know, fake score at the end of this um, assignment. So yeah, he, like, he doesn't feel like he's got much of a connection with anything. You know, he can have an affair with, a South American drug lords business manager and it's just fine. It's okay at the end of, we'll be all right. I feel like he, there, it's a possibility he lives in an RV. Totally yes, possible. Really strong, really and strong RV energy. I can't believe I, I haven't thought of this before now, but this is, Sonny Crockett is the precursor to Ray Velcoro in True Detective Season 2. And I think we've all forgotten about True Detective Season 2. I had to recap it for the playlist and it was quite an experience and a journey. Yeah. And it was, I thought it was a very bad show. Um, but that Ray Velcoro character is uh, just but great. You know, but he is he, definitely the mutation of Sonny Crockett. Yeah, and he said that, Katie and Beatrice. He said... When True Detective 2 came out, obviously the critical responses were really weird, like and divergent. Some people like loved it, others like really hated it. So it kind of landed in that weird middle zone where there was like, it was really divisive. And he goes, but the universal thing was that I got praised for everything that I did as that character in the show because he was like the most relatable character uh, or, or, or I guess maybe the best sort of portrayed character in the show. And he's like, it's so weird that I got all this praise for the true detective. And he goes, I feel like it was just like a riff on the Sonny Crockett character. Like, and, and I got no praise for Sonny Crockett at the time. Like Miami Vice largely got panned yeah. um, across the board. He's like, but it's so weird. Like a few years later, I come on TV, I do this character, which is like almost the same sort of riff. And then I got all this praise. And he's like, it makes, he's like, it makes no sense to me. Critical reception of it makes no sense to me because later, um, later on, but obviously now, Miami Vice has kind of grown. It's, you know, it's gone beyond, you know, the first brave ones are like Manola Dargis, who's like, this is in the top 10 of the century. <laughs> the top 10 is like 2006. And we're like, what? And she's like, she's Manola. She's the queen. She can do whatever yeah. she wants. Um, but yeah, like it's now started to come around with, you know, great pieces Definitely. like Beatrice and the show. It's, I think, you know, at the time, there's so many elements that you kind of just have to vibe with that might just seem like they should be terrible. Like, you know, even... Sonny's appearance, the like, yes. slick back blonde hair, the handlebar mustache. Like before seeing the movie, you know, I have always kind of been somewhat in love with Colin Farrell. And, you know, just seeing that image, I was like, eh, he doesn't look that great in it. But then when I watched the movie, I was like, oh my God, this is the hottest Colin Farrell's ever been. <laughs> and, you know, the movie has kind of corny things to it you know, that outside of the realm of the movie, you're just like, oh, that's kind of a tacky choice, like the music it uses. But when you're in it, you're like, this is exactly how it should be. So that's exactly right. Yeah, I think that's such a dead on uh, description of like what the experience of watching <laughs> this, it is where you're like, this is dumb, but I love it. But wait, it's amazing. <laughs> this this movie is that you have... 
this movie is that you had to be there joke. Like that, that's what it is. It's like, no, no, no. They use an encore. I know that sounds stupid, but you had to be there. Like it's, it's it, the way they use it. It's, it's, it's what makes it awesome. That's so funny. And I, I do want to say a big shout out to Katie who um, is, is holding a candle to the, the dirt bags of movie cinema, uh, you know, movies everywhere. And uh, you know, cataloging guys with thick necks and bad hair choices yeah. is the hottest, the hottest guys going around in cinema. It's outstanding work that you do. Katie. Um, yes. Well, I, I have to give a shout out to Maria Lewis for um, also sharing that proclivity with me and- <laughs> And Beatrice, maybe you want to join our, our club. <laughs> um, but I have to say about your piece, I, I was just rereading it. I related to it so deeply. The um, first couple of paragraphs where you were talking about your family having get togethers and dancing and you never want it and, and being dragged onto the dance floor and you never wanting to participate. And that was exactly my experience growing up. Um, I'm from the Caribbean and I'm white, but my mom is obsessed with Latin dance and she would literally take me to like Latin <laughs> dance clubs when I was a teenager and like make me dance with random guys. And I Horrifying. hated it so much. I'd be like, no, 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 no. And she'd be like, dance with him, dance with him. And even now, like my mom oh will my visit God. me in LA and be like, I want to go to a salsa club. And it just ends up into her dancing with a bunch of random dudes and me standing at the bar. And I'm just like, (laughs) she's having fun, you know? Um, But uh, (laughs) I just really related to that, um, that opening couple of paragraphs where you're just like, why didn't, you're like, I hated it at the time, but now I wish I was into it. Like, why didn't I take these dancing, free dancing lessons? So anyway, that, that struck a chord for me very deeply. I'm, I'm glad. Um, (laughs) yeah, it was pretty mortifying being younger and, you know, my family's from Peru. So, you know, dancing is just what they do when there's any sort of get together. And for them, it's really odd that, you know, in America you have a party and it's not, there's not automatically going to be dancing. Like, cause in Peru, that's what a party means. You show up and you make a dance floor out of wherever you are. But it was always just awkward for me. Just like the idea that the type of dancing they did was always kind of vaguely sensual. For them, <laughs> yes. it's obvious, that's obviously not really the case. I mean, there's little kids doing it half the mm-hmm. time, but I just did not want to be moving my body that way in front of my like, <laughs> parents, my grandparents, etc. cetera. Um, and they're like, do it. Why are you doing it? Like, why not? <laughs> this is what we're all doing. But, you know, I was rigid and awkward and, um, you know, the American... Uh, granddaughter, daughter, etc. <laughs> so, what kind, type of dancing would your family do? Was it like salsa, merengue, bachata, all of the above? Um, I mean, it's usually depends on the song that comes on, right? Um, but I would say generally salsa. I, I wish I even understood the distinctions better, <laughs> <laughs> but there are. Um, but I think generally salsa is what yeah. they do. Salsa is the hardest you- one. Because it's like actual steps that you have to do. Merengue, you can just kind of wiggle around. Yeah. <laughs> Beatrice, have you, have you like, since the piece or since thinking about it, you know, like I know that we're all in pandemic <laughs> lockdown, like we're in quarantine and we're in lockdown and stuff, but it's like, have you gone, you know, is that something that like is on your post, you know, post quarantine, yes. post lockdown bucket list of like, I'm going to go out and I'm going to dance. Because just as you're talking about it, there was this great club, which is now closed um, in Sydney. It was called... Funnily enough, it was called La Baguita de Medio, which is the name of the club that Gong Lee and Colin Farrell go to in Cuba and dance. It was called that. So it's the warehouse in the middle. That's what it was called. But people didn't understand that in Sydney. People started just having the shorthand of going, let's go to the Cuban place because they didn't know how how to say it. So then it just renamed it. So rebranded itself as the Cuban place. But the best thing about it, it was in Sydney. It was right next to like the Queen Victoria building in Sydney. It's in this little thing. And the salsa dancing, like the energy in that club made all the other pubs and just bars and like bougie wine bar bullshit around that spot seem like they were all morgues. Like that place <laughs> was like true. was alive and and you'd go there and and I remember my wife and I like long like before our kids would go to that club and like you'd you'd you know I would, you would fumble around with some attempted version of salsa and it's not it was never <laughs> good. But you would just look around and you'd be there and having a dance and like 
it was just the energy and the like joy and all that sort of stuff. It's like when you're just talking about it now, I'm like, oh man, to, I would give anything for that place to reopen and for, uh, for, for us to be allowed to go and stand in close proximity with people and attempt to salsa dance. Right. I would give anything to do it. Um, but is that something you've thought about like, you know, in the wake of it? Because I, when I read your piece, it's like so in who your family is and like now you're obviously a much more confident and assured person like and you know going out to a salsa club isn't necessarily going to be with your grandma watching like you know Um, um, okay well to give you a bit of some insider exclusive um, my editor actually cut this part of the piece just because she wanted to make our bodies come in different shapes and sizes so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Make it shorter, but my initial intro was... um... Uh, I was living in Europe for like about a year when I graduated. And, you know, one of those nights I was just out with my friends and we like met a group of um, guys from Spain and like they took us to a Latin dance club. And, you know, I had had a few drinks and I was like, ah, like I'll be able to figure it out. Like I've, I've been around dancing all my life and, you know, it, it was really, really embarrassing. Um, this guy, I started dancing with this guy and like, I was kind of trying to do it. And I told him I didn't have much experience, but like, you know, it was fine. I could figure it out. And at the end of the night, he was like, what kind of Peruvian are you? <laughs> <laughs> this was all in Spanish. So it was like, good. I don't even know how to respond to you right now. <laughs> You're like the one that grew up in the States. <laughs> right. <laughs> They don't teach us this. It's not yeah, part of our culture. Exactly. So it was, you know, when I was living over there, I admittedly kind of downplay my Americanness because everyone's like, ew, American. So I'm like, I'm Peruvian American. <laughs> yeah. But in reality, I was unable to hide it in that moment. Um, oh my gosh. I was, I was wondering, I was, when you were telling that story, I'm like, and then you were amazing at it. And that explains oh. why Colin Farrell was so good <laughs> while no, we were shooting. Exactly. <laughs> but you know, I I have discussed with friends like, oh, if there's some sort of salsa dancing lessons, like I, I've seen it at like different bars I've I've been to. They like have them on Wednesday nights. I was like, oh, okay, I would entertain the notion of actually going to do You have that. to. You have to. So Yeah. I just want to say, like, I'm going to put this back on the guy from Spain, because if you dance with (laughs) someone who can lead very well, you can dance salsa, because you don't even know what you're doing, because they're doing everything for you. So I'm going to say that guy didn't know what he was doing. (laughs) No good. Yeah, well, we're, we're gonna we're gonna relitigate this case for you right now, Spaniard. If you know how to salsa dance, Beatrice would have kicked ass on that dance floor. She would have felt like Gong Li, you jerk. Give me the first name of this guy. I'll find him on Facebook in ten minutes. <laughs> Just look for the one with a salsa dancing photo. That's <laughs> his DP. Uh, I'll be oh, sending so- him a message. Jump on Zoom right now. <laughs> we, oh, need we need to talk. We need to having this discussion now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's 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 also like i I mean every time you watch this movie now i i it's um it's almost like the trip you we mentioned the trip movies just before sort of jokingly but it's like the trip and miami vice have one thing in common which is now when i watch them i go oh my god to live in the world pre this pandemic to live in a club world to just lean over a bar yell because you have to to get a mojito go back with your friends, stand around, like barely be able to hear each other, like, you know, be in clubs, just, uh, just all that, like all that energy that's in this movie. It's just like, Oh, it doesn't, you haven't, you haven't been able to experience it for like half a year. And it's like, Oh, this is just, this is just torture. This is just torture. 
Yeah, it is bizarre as, you know, I feel like in the past year or two, I've like personally kind of settled down from nightlife as much as I used to. Um, and, you know, if you had asked me right before the pandemic, like, let's go to a club on Friday night, I'd be like, nah, I'm going to stay in. But now it's like, what was I thinking? <laughs> we want what we can't have. I mean, even the club in the opening sequence is like not a place that I would go to at this stage <laughs> in my life. And now I'm like, oh, I just want to be there with the go-go girls oh and the like crowded bar, like <laughs> clawing that- my skin off, horrible music playing. <laughs> I, 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 want, I, I want to shout out to a terrible uh, night spot. Um, I don't even know if it's still open in King's Cross in Sydney. King's Cross is like our CD you know, spot in the middle of Sydney has a lot of nightclubs, a bit of a, has a bit of an infamous nightlife. Uh, Some people who uh, would frequent maybe gangster life um, often hang there, et cetera. Um, And there's a place called Candies in the cross. And you would, it was, you'd walk down the stairs. It was like going into a Martin Scorsese movie. You walk down the stairs. It's like red lights, sticky floors, sticky floors, um, really cheap drinks. And absolutely unfathomably loud um, music playing down there. And we would laugh, you know, before this year about, oh man, how bad was it? How many nights did we spend at Candies and spend, you know, and get sweaty and disgusting? And like literally my wife and my best mate, Maria and I were sitting down in the lounge room in the middle of like the first phase of this pandemic going, I would pay a thousand dollars if I could <laughs> go to Candies. And like if someone would babysit my kids and I could go to Candies tonight and be in around that chaos, like I would pay a thousand dollars and I would just wouldn't leave. We'd go there from 10 until it closed <laughs> until the daylight opened up and then walk out of there with our shame. And, uh, and, and that's what you do. But, oh man, it's just, that's, yeah, that's, that's one thing that I've been watching these scenes. I'm like, oh man, that, like, look at this! Look how packed this club is. It's awesome. Uh, and in I New mean, Zealand, they're doing it right now. <laughs> New Zealand, they're allowed to do this. God damn it! I have to wonder if we are, if like, if we are going to be able to go back in the same way and just without being careful and scared and and um, wearing masks and hand sanitizing and stuff. Because as much as I think we want to do that, I'm like, will we be able to? Like, will we mentally be able to get there? <laughs> Yeah, like I dancing with a stranger who's breathing in your face, like <laughs> they're so close to each other. I, I'm, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe this will get me out of my mom making me dance with strangers now. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna have the absolute inverse once you get the go. I think it's gonna have the inverse because, like in New Zealand, um, so in yeah, Oz, tell us what's happening in New Zealand. <laughs> well, so I'm in Sydney in Australia, but in New Zealand, they have now officially for the second time squashed coronavirus in the whole country. So all of their restrictions are off and there's only some minor restrictions in their main capital city, Auckland. Um, but you can like, you can go like the, there's videos online at goddamn New Zealand for having this stuff. Cause it's so awesome. But like, you know, 25,000 people are packed in a stadium together, like hugging and crying, watching rugby for the first time because like sports back. And I'm like, I would give, again, I'd give a thousand dollars. I don't even like those teams, but I'd be over there like just hugging strangers, drinking like, yes, no coronavirus. Like amazing. Like that's like, you know, so I, I think, I think people like us are all like waiting. We're all on the precipice of like, as soon as they give me permission to go ham, it's get, it's on, like it's on. Whatever's going to happen is going to happen. Let's do this. You're going to overcorrect. Oh, it's going to be a massive overcorrection. It's going to be crazy. Gonna be crazy. Um, so what are the other aspects of this film that you love? Like, uh, obviously we've talked about the dancing scene and I feel like we could continue talking about it, but is there any, any other little details or performances and, or, or whatever about the movie that really struck you, especially during that initial viewing, which sounds right. very special. <laughs> I, I mean, not to fixate on the seduction of, you know, Gong Lee by Colin Farrell, but the scene exactly preceding the salsa scene when they're in the motorboat and there's mm. that, you know, Moby song playing of all things. Um, that, I mean, that really kind of prepared me, I guess, mentally, emotionally for the eventual dance scene. But, it, you know, that one almost rivals it in in terms of just like eroticism. It's just... Oh, the the image that comes to mind is when he asks Gong Li to hold the wheel for him and she's just completely self-assured and she does it. And it's just like that whole buildup is like, you know, they're realizing, you know, not only that they're really into each other, like in a physical way, but they're also 
part of the same milieu. They're, they see in each other someone that also is just used to like riding on a speedboat super fast. It's like into the danger that like would just go to Cuba, you know. In a speedboat with a stranger. Yeah, just like randomly in the moment. It's just like in ways that are very nuanced and like, you know, not on the nose. It's just like their whole relationship is built out in that scene. And, you know, I, I really, really like it. I think that's such a good point that you make about like them recognizing each other and like recognizing mm. a similar kind of person in each other. Like I, I hadn't thought about that before, but like, yeah, that, that scene, you know, they're like, yeah, you can hang. <laughs> we can yeah. hang together. He's like, yeah, grab, grab the steering wheel. And she's like, okay. Like any girl, you know, if you were a different type of girl, you might be like, oh, okay. <laughs> right. It's but you're, but you're so spot on. It's even it's even just before they get in the boat. There's that thing. She just sort of like the head gestures everything for me. Like that whole like, it's like, oh yeah, they go fast, yeah. and he's like, and he goes, it goes very fast. And it's like, <laughs> oh my god, I love this movie. It's such yeah. a tacky line, but it's so great. Man knew exactly what he was doing when he cast those two in, in those roles. Yeah. I mean. With Gong Li specifically, who's someone I've also been fascinated with for a while and I've written on, um, Man has been trying to get her for like over a decade at that point. I mean, mm. he initially wanted her to play De Niro's girlfriend in Heat. And oh, like, whoa. I didn't know whoa. that. Didn't yeah. know that either. Look it up. <laughs> um, Look it up. Yeah. But he, he did. He wanted that, um, according to some interviews I saw. But, you know, she has especially in the nineties, her confidence in English wasn't that great. And she was doing pretty well. She was like working um, on some pretty amazing Chinese films at the time. But anyways, so I think he's always recognized this like confidence. She's literally the biggest, she's literally the biggest star in China. Like, yeah, especially now with, is there anyone else that's, I mean, is there anyone else that's close really at this point? Not really. She'd she'd have to be, she'd have Fang Bing Bing is like yeah, Fang a big Bing, Bing, Chinese yeah. star, and like, yeah. um, what's her face? Uh, Memoirs of a Geisha. Oh, um, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna have to get her name. Uh, it's gonna drive uh, me insane. I forgot too. Um, you know what I noticed? I mean, she, what I think about Gong Ling is so interesting. She's really powerful. Like, she exudes a certain strength. I mean, she's obviously beautiful and elegant, but she, she holds her own with. Colin and and what I noticed in the video of their rehearsal, I was like, she's quite tall. She's almost <laughs> as tall as he is. So I googled her height. She's five seven, which isn't you know exceptionally tall, but I was like, oh yeah, she's like she can kind of you know carry her presence in this ensemble and really stand out. And and I love the scene where she is where they they initially meet with. Um, Yero, Jose Yero, and mm. she's just in the in the corner, in the kind of in the shadows, and she's he's doing the negotiation, she's in charge, and she's just yes. listening, and she's just like, I know what's going on, but she has that ability to sort of like um, exude a presence without a lot of other, you know, with silence, and 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 yeah. she just has that ability, and and I mean, she was the best part of Mulan for me yeah definitely um but uh yeah she's incredible and and god now i want them to do i want michael mann and gong lee to do something else do more <laughs> stuff i would love that it was it was zhang ziyi who we were thinking oh, of for memoirs right. of the geisha yes, yes. um and but the the one thing i was gonna say is it's so funny it's like um I want to hear more. So please, please hit us up on Twitter. If you're the person who was like, I really love Miami Vice. So I watched Mulan. I just want more of those people. <laughs> like, I, I, you know, because I'm, I'm following Gong Li. I love Miami Vice. So I watch Mulan. The Gong Li completist. Yeah, I am a Gong Li completist. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, I, I, that's one very cool thing about man movies that he seems to have an ability to do. And it, and it happens with really big directors who I guess everyone just wants to work with, which is that I will just sit here in a room and say, I mean, obviously Gong Li is like one of the leads of this movie, but he, he tends to get like get an amazing character actor to just literally sit there in a scene and basically do nothing. And they have nothing much to do, but they're like, Oh, I want to work with this person. And he seems to have that littered throughout his career, but uh, she's, yeah, I, 
I, I, there's nothing more that I love than people who can convey things without having to say it. And obviously the language barrier is a consideration for her, but her just being there and then just the, the staging of her being away. And then the next meeting that they have, she's in the dialogue. So like now Euro is not just the puppet who's having the conversation on her behalf. She's now moderating what he's saying to the guys and is actually in charge. And he's like, he may not like it. And then he has to look at her and she's like, we'll do it. And so that I love that whole power dynamic. I love how she gets brought to the table. I love all those little bits because I think it just speaks to her character and how awesome she is. Yeah. I have to wonder, like, I think a lot of her performance is very physical and I, and, and whether it's uh, grabbing the, the steering wheel, you know, it's like very much in gesture, it's in dance. And I have to wonder if that was something that, you know, perhaps if her English wasn't as proficient, if he was sort of like, let's, if man was sort of, um, giving her more visual and physical things to do. And I, I kind of love that choice in terms of just like her power and her presence and um, utilizing all of these other ways to show their connection and show her, her power as well. Yeah. Um, I like that a lot. Yeah. I think um, at that stage she learned her lines like phonetically, um, which is why, which you is- know, sometimes in her delivery, it's, you know, it obviously doesn't sound like a native English speaker. Um, but I mean, that aside, you're right in that it's her physicality that really shows you that she's like this, you know, bitch in control sort yes. of character. <laughs> and, you know, another scene that comes to mind, not to spotlight only the overtly sexy scenes, but... No, we want them. Um, we want all the overtly <laughs> sexy scenes. But, um, <laughs> you know, after they have their first rendezvous, they're you know, on their way to a club and they're taking separate cars and she like gestures to, you know, whoever she's working with, like, I'm going to ride with, with Colin Farrell. And then they get into the car and then they just have that moment where they look at each other and then they pounce. <laughs> yes. The limo scene. So we good. love the limo scene. <laughs> um, it is the most proficiently executed sex in a moving vehicle scene of maybe of all time, because so many car <laughs> sex scenes feel awkward. There's like, I don't have enough room, but that limo is just like a great staging area. As soon as that like privacy visor goes up, they wait it's like, amazing. they're just like, like there's that five seconds has electricity. It's like, mm, yeah. and then they just no. get onto each other. It's so good. It's so good. The such two a great of them, song. you could, they're like panthers, like lunging. Yes. <laughs> like you can see the like hunger and desire in, in them and, and, um, yeah, I just want to great. let you know that when people open this episode, it will be called Miami Nice Overtly Sexy Scenes with Beatrice. <laughs> there's just the normal sexy scenes and then there's the overtly sexy scenes. <laughs> Whole thing sexy. <laughs> You're going to have to put this label it explicit. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, oh, God. No, but this is, I think this is actually such a great thing to talk about because I, d- I think people assume it's just this crime movie and and undercover cops and stuff but i think that it is really it is a relationship movie it is a sexy movie i was about to just say a sex movie um but (laughs) it is about these guys and their relationships with these women and and i think that that is what makes it above just hey we're busting drug dealers um yes so i think that element is so crucial and so important and it was obviously super important to michael mann um to create this motivation for these guys. Yeah. I think you're so spot on Katie. Cause, and I'm, uh, I'm interested to hear what you say, Beatrice, but like the whole, from the outset, like being an undercover cop, like being, getting to play, like it's the whole sexiness and allure of acting, you know, like it's acting on a different stage, you know, you with higher stakes, you know, I have to act and pretend that I'm a criminal to these other criminals so that they accept me and all that sort of stuff. So the stages and the stakes are high and that whole concept is sexy. And then when you add in like this fiery, like what is the sexiest thing you can possibly do when you're undercover? Well, it's to steal the crime kingpin's girl who also is maybe just this is, is herself a sexual panther as I think we can now call her because they're all of the pouncing things and, and to do that and to, and to like decide that in the middle of this crazy drug deal that we're going to keep this thing going. And so what's even funnier to me across all of that is 
not only do they pounce on each other in that car, which is amazing, but they're still like fired up at the nightclub that night. So they're still like all over each other for Euro. They didn't get any of their tension out in that car. They're just like, that was just like the, the appetite. It's the entree. They're just like still fired up. I'm like, man, this, this movie rules. Um, the, their, their, their energy is so cool. You wrote about that. You were like, what did you say in your piece? You were like, this is the only movie where like two salsa dancing scenes like sabotages the... <laughs> no, that's exactly right. I mean, like it's obviously beyond just like your average cop movie because, you know, like you said, like they're so into each other that they literally can't just like for a moment stop and like not have their hands on each other. And they end up dancing at that club where they're having a business meeting and Jose Yero just sees it all on camera and you like see the camera like zoom in on his face getting angry like something's up here. Yeah, that, that, that reveal, that, that shot of them dancing and then it's, it's just like, it sort of delicately goes into slow motion or maybe it's like a frame rate thing or something. I'd yeah. love to sort of like find out the specifics, but it's, it's that he has this anger face and then he has this, like, it's just that twinkle in John Ortiz's eye. Like I'm going to use this because there's something wrong. And it's such a great, that like, I love that realization, but yeah, that, that, I cannot keep my hands off this, but like, it's already dangerous that they did in the car. Like the car is full on. Cause when they get out of the car, that's that's what we don't get to see. That's what I love to imagine. (laughs) When they get out of the car, in what state do they look? Yeah. Like, cause if, if you've ever been, I don't know, you know, if you've you've ever been busted by a friend or like someone knocks on your door in your house and you're like, Oh Jesus Christ. And you sort of get yourself together and then you get downstairs and open the door. You don't ever look, like you normally look. You look everyone like can tell. Up. Everyone can tell. Your hair is like on the right. side, like eh, just watching TV. You know, like, <laughs> um, I'm sure his uh, half a ponytail was like completely askew. Um, <laughs> right, and you know, in any other cop movie, Colin Farrell would probably, you know, I mean, ultimately he does return to business. They don't end up being together, but like in any other movie, you know like the decision he makes is like super romantic. Like he tells um, Jamie Foxx, like she's pretty much my priority, like regardless of like what's going on with, you know, the intrigue and and the dealings and like what they need to be doing as cops. Like he's so romantic about it. <laughs> yeah. He's That's like, what- I'm going to let her go. And, and even Fox is like, I'm going to, I'm taking you. her. Yeah. He's like, I'm going to take her and let her escape from this, mess that we've just made even though one of our guys is shot he was like yep go see ya it's fine trudy's in the hospital it's all good just do what you gotta do that's what i mean that's what's kind of nice about this movie is that a lot of the decisions that the 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 two guys make are romantic decisions and it is Mm -hmm. quite a romantic movie um in that sense uh and that that's what they're they're not so motivated by gotta gotta get these guys but more who they care about and even like the even in the the john hawks character in the beginning it's like they're devastated by losing him you don't you don't uh they said they wouldn't hurt they lie and 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 what happens to and him. His, and and the, when they hear about his wife that's what devastates right. them and it's an it's emotional important. decision it's a it's an emotional i i think everything is and i think this is you know true of man like we we talk about how or i i you know often associate with him with like man does job good and that's what all of his movies are but everything is emotionally motivated um, and I think that's especially true in this film. And it's even in the platonic relationships, you know, with Fox yeah. and Farrell, like there's nothing more beautiful between two best friends, regardless of whether they're best guy, friend, girlfriend, whatever. It's like someone saying, I'll never doubt you and having your back. Like I'll never doubt you. That's like the most that anyone can, like, that's as romantic as almost anything else that happens in this movie is like, I will never doubt you. So like, that that kind of comfort and confidence like i know you 
I know where you know the where you truly know where the line is. I know you're not going to step over it. I'll never doubt you. Like that's that's there's something special about that. And and like I'd love that you said that, Katie, because it's just so true. It's like I think Michael Mann loves to set up rules where guys or gals can do their job insanely well, and and watch how their emotionally their emotional motivations change their course because they they have these rules because they they are inherently emotional. So they try and like block out. And want to make it systemic. I, I need to. I need to follow the system to to achieve a goal. And then at the end of it, it's like, no, but you're just an emotional person, and things are going to drive you. And sometimes it's going to derail you. But then you've got, you know, hopefully you're good enough at your job that you can cope with it. For sure, for sure. So, is there anything else that we need to mention about Miami Vice? Anything else, Beatrice, that you? need to shout out about this amazing movie. <laughs> this has been such a great conversation though. So good. Oh I think God. we've covered wow. a lot of the stuff that I think that we, you know, we've articulated a lot of things that, that, that we like about this movie and, and what makes it special in a way that's, you know, not just necessarily about like the technical aspects of it. So, right. yeah. No, I think <laughs> you guys uh, tired me out. <laughs> <laughs> well, we had well, to exhaustively cover all of the, uh, sex scenes in this movie and we did it <laughs> and 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 beatrice i just think when you said when you nodded like i could be a guest then uh i think all <laughs> we needed you were 100 correct and two we all knew we, we we all knew just from the moment you said the first time i revisited it i took an edible and i watched miami vice i'm like <laughs> i think anyone who's listening to this show are gonna be like yep that's that's one of our people. That's yes. one of our people. So uh, look, uh, we we are we are very grateful um, to have had you on the show. Yeah, thank you so much. And everyone, read Beatrice's piece. Maybe we can link to it. On we'll the, link to it in the description of the yeah. show. Yeah, for sure. Because it's such a good piece, and um, and I think it. I love the microscopic detail of the way uh, of focusing on this movie, which is kind of something that we do too. So, anyway, thank you so much. This was so fun. Thanks. Yes, this was awesome. Thank you guys for having me. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.